Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Thursday already. (laughs) Can you believe it? Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Welcome to The Inner Life. This is our hour dedicated to spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app, helping you to look at how God might be speaking to you, working in your life, where God might be asking you to go in your spiritual journey, and some of the ways that we can grow closer to God and grow in holiness, know and love and serve God better. And uh, today, as we begin our program, uh, how are you when it comes to grammar? Are you a stickler for proper grammar? Or does it annoy you when somebody tries to correct your grammar? Especially living in a world now where we're texting more and more people are using uh, abbreviations, initialisms, uh, things like that. Uh, Punctuation gets left out. Do you care about the structure of sentences or the way that you should correctly use punctuation? There was a book that came out uh, close to about 20 years ago entitled Eats, Shoots, and Leaves, The Zero-Tolerance Approach to Punctuation. And the author, Lynn Truss, she was trying to draw attention to the importance of punctuation for avoiding misunderstanding of what is trying to be communicated. And the title of the book itself is what is called a syntactic ambiguity. A syntactic ambiguity. This means that the sentence might be interpreted more than one way because of the structure of the sentence itself. And that title, Eats, Shoots, and Leaves, it refers to a dictionary entry on pandas. It's part of a larger joke, but the dictionary entry, it says, a panda is a large black and white bear-like mammal native to China. It eats, shoots, and leaves. So the confusion can arise where if you don't know that shoots and leaves are a panda's primary diet, you might misunderstand this description to mean that after a panda eats a meal, it apparently shoots a gun and then leaves, onto whatever a panda does after eating and shooting. Groucho Marx, he had a famous joke that played on this use of syntactic ambiguity. I'm sure you've heard it before. This morning I shot an elephant in my pajamas. How he got into my pajamas, I don't know. The old movie Mary Poppins, it used this kind of humor in that one scene where the children, along with Bert and also Mary Poppins, they float up to uh, near the ceiling in this room with a man, Uncle Albert. And it's all because they keep laughing. And the jokes keep coming up that use that syntactic ambiguity. Like when Bert says, I know a man with a wooden leg named Smith. And Uncle Albert then asks, what's the name of his other leg? Or when Uncle Albert is telling about the woman next door, who had a man come up apologizing for running over her cat, and then the man said, I'd like to replace your cat. And the lady said, that's all right with me, but how are you at catching mice? And of course, those are humorous examples. 
these kinds of misunderstandings, these misinterpretations, they can happen regularly. Like if someone tells you the chicken is ready to eat, does that mean that the chicken is hungry or has someone cooked a chicken and now we can eat it? Well, if you're in a chicken restaurant, that probably gives you an indication. Or how about this one? In this sentence, who's holding the gun? The man held up the woman with the gun. The man held up the woman with the gun. Does the man have the gun or is he holding up a woman who has a gun? It's easy to misunderstand the meaning. We can take something someone says one way when they actually mean it in a different sense. Something similar happened to one of the most beloved saints in the Catholic Church, St. Francis of Assisi. He was praying in the church of San Damiano, a run-down little church in need of a fair amount of repair, and there in that church that was falling apart, Francis asked God for direction. What do you want me to do? Show me what you want me to do with my life. And God gave Francis a very direct answer, but Francis initially missed the larger meaning of what God was asking Francis to do. Do you know those words? Do you know what God told St. Francis to do? Rebuild my church. Today we want to look at the life of St. Francis and the example he gave each of us in living a life of holiness and how maybe we might misunderstand something initially, but what is God really calling us to? Maybe like St. Francis, God is calling you and me to rebuild his church. What is God asking you to do in your community to draw others to Christ? Joining us is our spiritual director for the hour today, Father Rick Martinetti is with us here. He's a Franciscan friar and the director of campus ministry at Ave Maria University in Florida. Father Rick, so glad to have you back here on the program today. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate the invitation. Well, and I obviously referenced St. Francis at San Damiano, but I didn't get want to give away too much because... Uh, as with almost anything dealing with St. Francis, I thought, well, a Franciscan's going to do a much better job telling the whole story rather than me trying to tell it. So can you tell us uh, about this moment from St. Francis's life, a very pivotal moment for him? Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad to start off there. That's, a, that's the place where we need to dive in, because it's, it's one of his uh, big conversion moments. And, and maybe that's worth saying about St. Francis of Assisi, that he had multiple conversion moments. Um, we find him as a young man, maybe about 20 years old, going off uh, to war as uh, Assisi battles Perugia and, and losing um, the first battle he was in and ending up spending about a year in a, in a very in a dungeon kind of uh, prisoner of war place for about a year. So if you think of it, um, that's when the Lord really started to, to break in. It was through this experience of of loneliness and um, just the struggle and the suffering and in being a prisoner, you know he had all these all these dreams of of making a name for himself, becoming a great knight, and everybody would salute him when he came back to the town. And he spends a year uh, as a prisoner. When he when he does finally get released and go back to Assisi, that's when things are different. That's when he starts to look around, and you know maybe everything that he had dreamed of, um, which came crashing down, suddenly loses its appeal. And he starts to ask those bigger questions of, what am I really doing in life? Um, and then he, but, you know, he couldn't really come up with any answers on his own. So he did set off into another military campaign. And this time um, he, was, he was camping out with um, his troops. And 
um, had a dream. And the Lord spoke to him in a, in a dream and said, Francis, uh, who can do more for you, the master or the servant? And he answered back and said, well, of course, the master. He said, well, the voice said, well, then why are you serving the servant? Go back to Assisi and, and you'll be told what to do. And he, and he left his, his fellow soldiers and went back to Assisi uh, to listen further to what the Lord had for him. So this is like, it's taken a couple of years now for the Lord to really break through and, sh- and, and teach him that what he had set his heart on was not his true calling. So he's, he's being emptied and kind of stripped away. And that's where we pick up the story with um, the passage that, that you shared. So now he's uh, you know, working in his father's uh, cloth shop, does nothing for him, making a name for himself as a soldier is, is useless. And he goes off to this little chapel that is run down outside of the walls of Assisi, a little chapel called San Damiano, named after St. Damien. And that's where he's praying and says, well, what is it? What am I called to do? And he's looking up at the crucifix uh, that's, that's still hung there. And that's when he hears Jesus speak to him through that cross, uh, rebuild my church, rebuild my house, which is falling into ruin. And he looks around and there is a chapel that he is in that is literally falling apart. So he begins uh, to he actually... First, he tries to use his dad's money to buy stones and to, um, to pay for the reconstruction of the chapel. But in a short time, he sees that that's not going to happen. His father wants no part of that. And he ends up renouncing his father's wealth and begins to rebuild the chapel by begging. He goes uh, from place to place begging for stones and supplies so that he can physically rebuild the Church of San Damiano. So fascinating, these moments in his life. And as he's dragging stones and putting them one on top of of the next, um, people are are kind of gathering around and and asking what he's doing. And the the people with leprosy that were excluded from the town of Assisi uh, are there as well. And he finds himself caring for them and taking care of their wounds. And uh, and these are the people that no one wanted to touch. They didn't even want to see or smell someone who had the wounds of leprosy. Francis finds himself among them, and then he has another powerful conversion moment where he embraces one. He hugs this man who has the sores of leprosy, and that's when he, he, towards the end of his life, he writes, that's when everything really changed. That's when anything that was bitter for me became sweet, and all that was sweet became bitter. He experienced the presence of Jesus in this man that was... um, rejected by the society and had no one to care for him. He started to care for these people with leprosy, rebuild the church of San Damiano, and that was the beginning of how he rebuilt uh, the more universal church by calling us all back to poverty and to service and to compassionate love that that Jesus had, had taught so many years ago. In that story, I mean, there's so many things that we could pull out of that. You know, um, I, I think anybody who is saying, I feel like there's more that I should be doing. I'm not exactly sure. I don't feel completely fulfilled in where I am right now. Having that moment like St. Francis, 
what do you want? What is my calling, God? I mean, that that's one of those moments there where so many of us, we can say, yeah, I've, I've either had that moment or I'm in that moment right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> that also, in fact, let's open up the phone lines, Father. Um, uh, you can call in if you'd like to talk with Father Rick. Uh, number is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And maybe just like St. Francis, you are in that moment where you're saying, I don't know exactly what God is asking of me. I want to I want to do more. I know that he's there and I'm spending time trying to understand where he's leading me, but I'm not quite sure. Maybe you'd like some advice, some encouragement from Father Rick. You can call in 888-914-9149 or email innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. Uh, one of the things I think that stands out to me though, and there are so many reasons that St. Francis has remained so attractive to so many people throughout the centuries, but he spends a lot of time where he's in prayer, where he's in that time of searching before he has that answer from God. Mm-hmm. And on the surface, I think we might look at Francis, and we might look at many other saints who have had those really huge monumental impacts on the church, you know, founding religious communities, uh, being amazing examples of helping those in need, living out those corporal works of mercy, just like you talked with St. Francis and those who uh, had leprosy and other diseases. But with all the, the, these saints, just like St. Francis, it all ends up starting with prayer, lots of time in prayer there before they start doing the work. Absolutely. I think it's a hopeful message. It has been uh, in my own life. And we recently celebrated the conversion of St. Paul, right? And that's that's the, the model we use of a, of a man who's knocked off his horse and goes uh, does a 180 and goes in the complete opposite direction. Uh, that's, in my experience, that's not the norm of conversion. <laughs> I, I think there are more Sometimes they're very powerful, life-changing moments, like the ones we've mentioned in, in the life of St. Francis, and sometimes they're subtle ones. Uh, sometimes it does happen with a certain discontent. You know, uh, maybe we've been pursuing something like wealth or popularity or, you know, the right relationship, and we think, when I just have that, everything else will will come with it, and I'll be so happy and at peace, and then we get it. And we and we don't. <laughs> the peace and the happiness doesn't doesn't come with it. That's partly, I think, what uh, happened to Francis, where it was the military, you know, and 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 conquering and killing for some noble cause was going to give him peace and joy. And of course, it not, it didn't happen that way at all. Like sometimes disillusionment can be the beginning of of a moment of conversion and and cause us to ask those bigger questions. Why am I really here? What gifts do I have and need to use? And and who is Jesus for me personally? Mm. Yeah, if if the thing that we thought was going to bring us contentment and fulfillment, and it falls short, and it feels empty, it opens up the door for questions, and it's at those moments where God can work in our lives. before we dive into some more on that aspect, too, I, I think most people know a little something about St. Francis, but some of the things that we have heard, they might be maybe more myth or legend, something attributed to him without it really being something he said or did. If somebody is only superficially familiar with St. Francis, what are the key things that you think they should know 
about his life and about his spirituality and and what we can take away from him uh, in contemporary America in our our lives here and now? Well, I would say the average person probably knows a couple of things about St. Francis, that he loved animals. Right. And so we have, uh, you know, we have statues of Francis in our front yard holding a bird bath, (laughs) Uh, which is fine, but he's so much more than uh, a bird bath kind of guy. Um, and then there's, of course, the, the peace prayer that is attributed to him that uh, was actually uh, written in the 20th century, but certainly captures the, the Franciscan spirit about in, it is in giving that we receive. That, that is certainly how Francis lived his life. Uh, but I would say, you know, in addition to what we've, we've talked about, um, he's, he's a man of of prayer and love for others, he would he would go away from um, the people and, and climb mountains and sometimes stay up there for 40 days and do these different lengths uh, during the year of like 40 days of contemplative prayer on a mountaintop, just thinking about Christ crucified. Um, he would even just put two sticks together and make a cross and, and kneel before it and do a meditation on what it must have been like for Jesus to be on the cross. Sometimes you do see another statue of Francis. He's portrayed as, as embracing the crucified cross, who, uh, Christ rather, who is sort of coming down from the cross and Francis is almost catching him or embracing him. I think that image of him says much more than him holding a little birdbath in his hands. Like he, he embraced Christ crucified um, so much so that he wanted to... He fell in love with Jesus, and he wanted to experience even what Jesus felt on the cross. And he wanted that so passionately that the Lord gave him the gift of the sacred stigmata, which he's the first person in history that we know of that received the five wounds of Christ in his hands, in his feet, and in his side, so that he could not only just love Jesus in his glory, but also understand a little bit more of the pain that Christ felt on the cross. Mm. So I think that's a big piece of who he is, uh, that, that love, if we really love someone through compassion, you know, we want to be with them, even when they're going through their worst and darkest moments. And his love for Christ was so profound that he wanted to even feel the pains that Jesus felt on the cross when he was winning our salvation for us. Sure. Yeah, I, I mean, anybody who is a parent... Uh, you know, uh, father or a mother, and you have your child going through some sort of uh, tough suffering or, you know, something that, that is really causing that pain or that discomfort. You just wish you could take away a little bit of it and, mm. you know, just ease and comfort them. And that's beautiful that St. Francis, that God gave him that gift to say, yeah, you can share in this a little bit and understand what I've gone through. Um, uh, Father, let's go to the phones. Again, our phone number, 888-914-9149, if you'd like to call in. Our spiritual director is Father Rick Martinetti, a Franciscan friar, and the director of campus ministry at Ave Maria University in Florida, as we're talking about the life, the example of St. Francis, and what that means for us today, what we can take away from what he lived from his life's example, and how... How have you been inspired by St. Francis? Maybe you've had that moment where you've been questioning and saying, I'm not sure what I should do. And God, what is, what is it that you're calling me to do? 
maybe you've had that answer from God in some way, maybe through a friend who spoke to you and you realize this is where God is calling. Maybe, maybe it was uh, somebody asking you to volunteer at your parish or through another uh, ministry or apostolate, and we'd love to hear how God has worked in your life. 888-914-9149. Father Carter is listening to us in San Diego. Hi, Carter. Welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, Josh. Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. You're on the air. All right, so uh, I'm stuck a little bit in my situation in life right now. Um, I'm 18 years old, and I'll be going to Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas next year. Um, So over the past year, my faith has been um, growing in such a good way. um, And I've always kind of wanted to maybe go into business, but um, now since my faith has been growing so much, I kind of was almost considering like studying theology uh, philosophy, maybe even considering priesthood, because um, my grandma took me to uh, an abbey up in Orange County the other day, and I really liked it. So I'm wondering if God is calling me to the priesthood, or if, it should, if I should just continue to follow what I've wanted to do um, earlier uh, in the past couple of years. So I'm not really sure what I should do, and I was wondering, Father, if you had any advice for what I should be doing my next couple of years in college. Sure, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad you called, Carter. Thank you. Um, so I've been, I've been in campus ministry for, for a number of years and um, have sat down with a lot of young men uh, discerning priesthood or religious life. Uh, I guess I would, I would say initially, I think you're on a good path. I've heard really good things about, about Benedictine, like, like Ave Maria, where, where I am. There seems to be a good atmosphere there with um, room to pray and to discern. And you might even find, uh, hopefully, maybe there's another group of young men that are discerning priesthood. Maybe you could get together and form a little uh, prayer group or something or some kind of sharing, which would be helpful. So I I would study the path there. I think uh, it can be a little premature to to join a seminary at at 18 years old these days. Uh, I, I think the college experience as long as it's a good, healthy college, and especially one that, that is uh, Catholic and has a, a faith base like you're going into, I think you're going to have a great four years there. Obviously, put your prayer life first. Make that number one. Maybe you can get into some ongoing spiritual direction while you're there. And, and maybe do a little of both. Study theology. Study business. Um, they say they say the average freshman, if you come in with a declared major, seventy five percent of them would will change their major by by the time they graduate. So maybe the first year you go in and you take a little of both, a little um, some philosophy, some theology, some business, and treat it as um, kind of like a four year discernment program where you're shooting for by by graduation you want to know what the next step is. Is it heading into seminary or some other some other calling? What do you think of that? That sounds good. Uh, you're probably right. Not trying to go into maybe seminary too fast because I'm also be going to be playing football there because I did get a football scholarship to Benedictine. Oh, That's great. another reason why I'm going to be going there. So it might be a little bit too much then, I guess, if I'm going to be doing seminary or theology as well. Well, I will uh, I keep you in my prayers, Carter, as well, and, and hope that it's a good experience for you as you're, as you're discerning. And, and just know that the Lord uh, goes slowly and patiently. There are things for you to learn each year that you're there, and, and actually each day, right, and each week. Um, just, 
just keep trying to be a man of God. You know, keep trying to be put your prayer life, uh, value your prayer life, reach out. You know, do some some ministry, some faith ser- serving, and and in a sense, you could kind of try on priesthood a little bit just by practicing. What what, what would it look like? You know, if you were a, a seminarian on that campus, uh, maybe try to live like that and see how that fits. Carter, thanks so much for the phone call, and be assured, I mean, there's so many people now that will be praying for you, having heard your story, and uh, just knowing that you're trying to make your way through that discernment process. And if you're listening and you'd like to call in and speak with Father Rick Martinetti, you can call us at 888-914-9149, talking about the life of St. Francis and the example that he gives us, what we can take away from his life. And we're welcoming your phone calls to be part of the conversation. 888-914-9149. Email address is innerlifeatrelevantradio.com. We'll be back with more right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com forester. on Relevant Radio. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director for the hour today, Father Rick Martinetti, a Franciscan friar and the director of campus ministry at Ave Maria University in Florida, and talking about the life and the example of St. Francis of Assisi and what we can learn and apply in our own lives, and welcoming your phone calls to talk with Father Rick the phone number 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And Father, uh, before we go back to phone calls, let's talk about conversion for a minute. You mentioned uh, in the last segment that when we look at maybe the life of St. Francis, or you also brought up St. Paul, you know, he's on the road to Damascus, and he has that encounter with Christ. He's blinded, knocked off his horse. Uh, there are those big moments that we see in certain people's lives where there is that conversion that happens. But we've talked many times on this show before about how that concept of conversion should not simply be a one-time event in our lives, but that we Mm -hmm. should be living in a way that we're experiencing that ongoing conversion, even in a daily sense. And St. Francis, he had that initial conversion, but how can we look at his life as an example of continuing ongoing conversion? Well, uh, in addition to those moments we've already talked about, they they set Francis on on a certain journey, but he didn't have all the answers. He, again, he's just he's rebuilding the church uh, physically, literally. He's taking care of people with leprosy. He also started to uh, go back to mass and the sacraments, and he started to listen more attentively and with a, a holy heart to the scriptures. So I think, I think that's a hallmark of ongoing conversion. And we have another moment from his life where uh, a couple of men want to follow him and, and do what he's doing. And he, he goes to the priest and he seeks guidance there. And, and he turns to the scriptures and they, they hear the passage about sell what you have, give to the poor, follow me, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And 
this time, you know, a passage that he may have heard many times before, this time it speaks to his heart, and he says, this is what I want. This, this will fill me with joy, selling what he has, giving it away, and giving to the poor, and, and a life of uh, itinerant preaching, you know, on, on the road. So uh, another, I think, hallmark, once we're, once we're walking with the Lord and trying and frequenting the sacraments, then the question becomes, what would, what would set our hearts on fire with, with joy? Uh, he, he pondered the scriptures again with a new heart, and the thought of being poor set him on fire and preaching the good news. So that was another moment that gave him uh, direction. And I think for, for us as well, what scriptures are, are jumping out? And, and do, they need, do we need to take more time with them and, and think, what do they mean to me personally? Obviously, not everybody can just leave all their possessions. We have responsibilities and you know, people raising families and everything. You, you need to provide for them. But what scriptures challenge you and kind of make your heart come alive? And what, how about a spirit of, of poverty or letting go of, of attachments? You know, what, what might that call look like for each individual person? And sometimes um, even spiritual direction can, can help with that. You talked about how when St. Francis heard that, came across that reading again, that it set his heart on fire, and you used a specific word, heart on fire with joy. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how when we, are, when we are walking with God and when we find where he's calling us, that not only will it just have a good feeling for us, okay, yeah, I'm doing what God wants, but it will bring us to a place where we experience that true joy. Yes. Well, one of the things that attracted me early on about the Franciscans was the, the Franciscan men and women that I knew were joyful. And, and I think joy is just so uh, important. And I was happy to see that it's, it's preached and it's talked about and we try to embrace it in Franciscan life. You, you see it in St. Francis. I, I think, um, you know, he did silly things is, is another story of him. As I said, he went up to mountains and he put two sticks together and, and prayed as if they were a crucifix. He also picked up the sticks and played them like they were an air violin uh, on his arms. And he kind of did a lip syncing thing where he just was dancing with his brothers. And, and I love that we have silly, joyful little stories from his life um, because that reminds us that the saints were real. And he talks about finding joy in Christ, when you are rooted in Jesus completely, then there's really nothing the world can do to take away your joy because it's eternal. So he, you know, he found his joy in what Christ had done and in in salvation and in heaven, knowing that his life on this earth was temporary. He lived about 44 years. Uh, It's a a very brief life, right? But, and only, you know, only the second half was, was converted. So uh, we, we have a short time, but that should be a cause of joy, because if, if it was just this world, um, it would be pretty sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are, you know, we fix our hearts on heaven. We know that we're called to just live a few years down here on the earth and try to love and try to learn about love. And that leads us into the embrace of the Lord. When we walk in that knowledge that we're here temporarily and that our, our joy is meant for heaven, I think no one can take it away from us. 
Uh, no matter what happens here, there'll be struggles, of course, and difficulty, but we're, we're rooted eternally in the heart of Christ. Well, you talk about those struggles and those difficulties that we know all of us will face at some point. And maybe can you draw the distinction between the joy that you're speaking about, a true and lasting joy, uh, as opposed to just mere happiness? Because happiness will go away mm-hmm. when you face those difficult moments, those trials in, in your life. But that joy can continue even in those tough moments. Yeah. When Francis had that moment, uh, again, a sick person covered in the sores of leprosy, nobody wanted to touch them or go near him. He embraced and kissed this man with leprosy. And again, would talk about how he experienced Christ in that. That changed everything for him because he realized, I can meet Jesus in poverty, in the sick, uh, the, the less I have, the more I have Jesus. It's why, it's why our Lord you know, chose to come into our world in, in a stable, in the most humble circumstances of poverty, so that we could encounter him in poverty, in suffering, in, in caring for a sick person. So I, I think that's, a, that's the type of joy that you know, it escaped him for the first 20 years of his life. You know, he wanted the earthly happiness, like you refer to making a name for himself, winning the glory of battle, that stuff is fleeting. Uh, it, just, it just doesn't last. Once you touch Christ through maybe uh, someone who's hurting, uh, through compassion, it, it touches a part of our souls that, that comes alive, and we realize that's what life is all about. Life is about encountering Jesus through love, and it prepares us for heaven I think Francis got that early on. And then, then the earthly joy that's offered, it just pales in comparison. It's just not worth pursuing. Talking with Father Rick Martinetti today about the life, the example of St. Francis. How about you? How have you been able in your life to embrace that spirit of poverty? Maybe it isn't giving up you know, all your money, all your possessions, but it's living simply. And being generous, giving to those who need more. How have you experienced that joy that Father Rick is talking about that transforms you when you encounter someone and you experience that love of Christ, the Holy Spirit working in you? How has that happened in your life? 888-914-9149. That's the phone number you can call in and speak with Father Rick. 888-914-9149. And also want to mention that we have a special opportunity for you to learn a little bit more about our Blessed Mother, uh, exploring Mary's intercession in human history as well as in our everyday lives. And it's uh, if you go to RelevantRadio.com, our website, or if you go to the Relevant Radio app, you'll see a banner there that is Miracles, Mysteries, and Mary, and you can sign up. It's absolutely free. You can receive ongoing emails that talk about some of the different aspects of Our Lady, her intercession for us. Uh, Also, you'll grow in devotion through these lessons from Our Lady. And again, absolutely free. You can sign up to receive this email series, and that's at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Just uh, click on that banner, Miracles, Mysteries, and Mary. Sign up, give us your name, your email address, and we'll send those to you through the course of this upcoming year. Again, back with more with Father Rick and your phone calls next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.
So glad to have you with us here on this Thursday as we're looking at the life of St. Francis, the example he gives us, and uh, what his example can help us uh, in our own lives, the things that we can take away, that we can apply in growing closer to Christ, in uh, living lives of holiness. And you can call in and join us at 888-914-9149, And uh, Father as we've been talking about that joyfulness that we can experience in being united with Christ, if somebody, if they uh, feel that that joy is lacking in their life, if they're surrounded with strife, with conflict in relationships, or maybe they're dealing with a lot of uncertainty, you know, maybe a lack of employment or, you know, stress and anxiety in other areas that's just causing fear in their life, how can they turn that over to God? How can they experience that joy and that peace that God can give us and let go of that conflict or that anxiety? Or even if they still have to be in the midst of that conflict or with that anxiety, it just won't hold them captive any longer. Well, I think these days uh, anxiety is really off the charts. It's so it's so bad. It's such a stressful time and uh so the first practical thing I would say is shut off the television. <laughs> you know, um, there's just there's so much uh, bad news uh, on the news uh, again and again, and and so many worries and fears. So uh, we have to step back and realize God is is the God of these times as well. Um, even you know, for for all of human history, God has has provided. So sometimes, you know, in this age of, of social media and such easy communication, it's very easy to, to fret about problems all over the world. Uh, okay, yes, some, some of those things need to be addressed and, and prayed about. But we also need to step back and I think just make a little retreat, either yearly retreat or even daily retreats. You know, when you think about pulling back each day to just be with the Lord if there's a if there's a church or an adoration chapel or a beautiful spot uh, in nature, I'd recommend you know daily prayer. Just just stepping back helps us to put everything in perspective. Um, we can talk to the Lord about the uncertainty, about the whatever it is that's causing us stress. We can do like Saint Francis and ponder Jesus on the cross, and suddenly our problems just don't look as bad in comparison with what the Lord endured for us. And, it, and that in itself tends to put things in perspective. And we pray a prayer of, Lord, I, I unite my struggles, even, even if they are tiny ones. I, I unite my struggles and my sufferings to yours on the cross, that they may have infinite value, that they may be, you know, used for my redemption or the redemption of the world. Like those kind of prayers tend to put everything in perspective. And then I think stress diminishes and joy might just kind of come in as a byproduct. Hmm. 
Father, another thing that would be nice to look at here, too, uh, you know, there's so many different things that we have received from St. Francis. Um, I know there's all kinds of different prayers and different quotes that are attributed to him. I think one of the most famous, um, and I don't know if this is really him, but the preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Um, is, Is that really from St. Francis? So it got paraphrased. He okay. he did say, we have it recorded, that he told his brothers uh, that they should preach at, at all times. Um, so the, they, uh, and with or without words, kind of got added to it. So, okay, all right. Uh, so m- maybe it was the intent that, that. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe other people took it as that, uh, yeah. <laughs> if he didn't actually yeah. say it, but they, right. they understood it was implied. Uh, the praises of yeah. God that St. Francis has as well. Uh, beautiful prayer. Uh, can you talk to us about what he says in that? Sure. Uh, so that's, that's a great one. I would recommend to anybody listening to maybe take a chance to, to Google it and um, find it, The Praises of God by St. Francis of Assisi. Uh, this again came about, uh, he was on a mountaintop with one of his brothers, uh, Brother Leo, and they were just taking some weeks of, of prayer and and once he got to the top of the mountain, he and Leo would take different spots of the mountain and, and go off for, for silent prayer. And Leo was afraid. Whenever, apparently, whenever Leo took this prayer time, he would look within and he would just feel that he was no good. And, and, and sometimes when we go off to pray, we do look within. You know, the first person we encounter in solitude is ourselves. And we see our weaknesses, and, and it's just not fun. So, so Francis pretty much says, when, when, you, when it comes to that, get out of yourself and get into the heart of God. Uh, praise God instead of reflecting on yourself, or use your, your self-reflections as a springboard to get you into praising God. So he writes this litany. I'll just, I'll just share some of it with you. He's addressing God, and he says, you are holy. You are wonderful. You are strong. You are the Most High God, the King of heaven and earth. You are three in one, Lord God of gods. You are all good, supremely good. You are the living God, living and true. You are charity and wisdom. You are patience and humility. You are meekness and joy and beauty and security and all that we need. He goes on, there's a few more things, but it's just, it's a litany that gets us out of ourselves. Think of how awesome God is. And Francis includes, you know, things like humility and patience as places where we encounter the Lord. When we are humble, when we are showing patience, uh, we meet Jesus Christ in a very profound way. So not only is God all wonderful and powerful, he's also very humble in meeting us in the humility of, of day-to-day life. So I just, it's one of my favorite prayers, and I think it really puts my own struggles or whatever I'm going through today uh, in perspective. Yeah, you know, uh, reading through that this morning, too, it really struck me that by the time you get to the end of that litany, of all the things that you are strength, you are refreshment, you are our hope, our faith, you are our charity, you are all our sweetness, all of these things— you get to the end, and you might as well just say, God, you are everything that is good. You are just everything. Yeah, it, it really is a beautiful litany. Um, another one that maybe we can talk about for a moment here, too, is the Canticle of the Sun. 
Um, this one I remember, oh, years and years ago, maybe when I was in my teens or my 20s, I remember singing at church one time, All Creatures of Our God and King, mm-hmm. and looking and saying, oh, the, <laughs> this is uh, St. Francis, St. Francis of Assisi. And uh, learned later on, it's a bit of a paraphrase of the actual uh, English translation. But then also, uh, you know, anybody who has read the encyclical by Pope Francis that came out several years ago, Laudato Si, uh, it also gets its name from this, uh, this poem, this uh, prayer mm-hmm. as well. Uh, can you talk to us about what St. Francis uh, guides us into prayer during, throughout this Canticle of the Sun? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a beautiful canticle, and I, I do appreciate the uh, modern attempts to, to put it into music, because Francis wrote it to be sung. Um, so he and his brothers would sing it, and we don't have the original melody, so people have tried to adapt it to our times, which is great. Yeah, it's, uh, I kind of look at it as uh, he, he talks about the gifts that keep on giving. Uh, you know, God gives us the sun, and then the sun it keeps us alive, right? It keeps our, our days uh, warm, and, and God gives us the water, and then water keeps us alive and refreshes us. Um, God gives us the earth, and the earth gives us food and, and everything we need. So it's a, it's a canticle praising God's divine providence, how he provides for his creatures. He's set the world in motion, and we will have what we need. It's kind of like an unpacking of give us this day our, our daily bread. You know, God has arranged it so the, the sun and the moon and the wind and the water and the fire and the earth itself provide for uh, humanity. I think it's also just a nice way to step back when we're worried. You know, again, uh, Jesus says, don't, don't worry about what you are to eat or what you are to wear. And, and sometimes we find ourselves with those worries. Maybe that's a good time to pull out the canticle of the creatures and just say, oh, yes, God knows what I need and is providing for me today. Mm. Well, and as you talk about that, too, you, you mentioned earlier, a lot of us might have that association with St. Francis and nature, you know, uh, a statue out in a garden area, out in the yard, or uh, holding a bird bath, something like that. Um, one of the things that I think is beautiful about that Canticle of the Sun, it really brings all of that to where this is really what St. Francis looked at, not just that he loved little bunnies or the birds that are going around the yard in the garden, but uh, all creation looked at it as good, as beautiful. Um, One thing I uh, had looked up, St. John Paul II on World Peace Day, this was back in 1990, he wrote about St. Francis. He said, St. Francis gives us this striking witness that when we are at peace with God, we're better able to devote ourselves to building up that peace with all creation, which is inseparable mm. from peace among all peoples. And, you know, that, I mean, right now, yesterday, Pope Francis called for that day of prayer for peace, uh, just because of the possible conflict that might be looming mm. between Russia and the Ukraine. Uh, but that when we have that peace with God, that brings about peace with all creation inseparable from peace among all peoples. Um, And that, I think, also goes back to the joy that we were talking about. Joy and peace, Mm -hmm. they're going to go hand in hand. And I think that's so evident, especially in those later years that we see in the life of St. Francis. Yes, indeed. Those prayers uh, and peacemaking, it it all stems from an attitude 
you know, when we read the canticle, he calls son a brother and water a sister. Francis looked at all things in creation as brother or sister because we all have the same creator. God made everything. God is father to all humanity. And so the person on my left or right is brother or sister because we have the same father. When you have that sort of um, an attitude or, or disposition, it's so freeing. I don't, I don't own anyone or anything. This, this earth is a gift to me from God who wants to provide for me, but I'm, I'm not the landlord. You know, I don't, ownership is an illusion. I'm going to die and that, that piece of property is still going to be there. The earth is still going to be there. God is, is the one who owns everything. He put it all into motion. He's the creator. So accepting our role as brother or sister to the world is so freeing. I don't have to dominate anyone. I don't have to control anyone. I don't have to look to other people to give me joy or peace. I find it in God. And that, that I think, was the disposition that, that made Francis who he was. And he, yes, he absolutely loved creatures and, and birds and trees. He loved them. He loved humanity even more because we are all created in the image and likeness of God and meant to be uh, shadows of, of the Creator here on the earth. Mm, right. He had that, that right order of understanding the primary uh, role of, of humanity in uh, the order of salvation there. So, uh, Father, down to just a minute or two here left, um, before we wrap up the hour, if somebody has been listening and saying, oh, there, you know, a lot of good stuff here that I'm hearing about St. Francis, I'd like to learn a little bit more about his life. Do you have a favorite biography, uh, you know, just one that you would recommend that's really impacted you in your life? Yeah, my favorite author is uh, a man called Murray Bodo. His last name is B-O-D-O, and he's a, he's a Franciscan friar like myself. He's written a number of books, like The Tales of St. Francis is just a wonderful one, and uh, a whole bunch of others that... Uh, he he takes the stories of Francis that we know and tries to apply them to us today and maybe pull out the spiritual message for us today. So he's got a number of books. Tales of St. Francis is my favorite, but uh, anything by Murray Bodo would, would be great. Um, myself, I, I also wrote a, a book called Hidden Beauty, um, and it's reflections on St. Bonaventure's Tree of Life. And St. Bonaventure uh, takes the stories of Francis and kind of does what Murray Bodo did as well, and just has 48 meditations on the, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And I've, I've tried to unpack that in a work called Hidden Beauty, and that's available from Tau Publishing, T-A-U Publishing out of Phoenix. Wonderful. Well, uh, Father, thanks so much for the recommendations. And just for your time this hour, we've got about 15 seconds left for a blessing for our listeners before we conclude the hour. May the Lord send his blessing upon us, all those listening. May, may God stir up our hearts to love him more profoundly and follow wherever he leads with courage and joy. God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Rick Martinetti, thank you so much for being with us this hour. And the podcast of the show will be available at RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app here in just a short bit. Stay tuned. Mass is coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. You know, the word is spreading around America. This is the go-to place if you've got a prayer. 
and you want the whole country praying for it. So I invite people to join us every night for the Family Rosary Across America Live. 7 p.m. Central. Bringing Christ to the world through the media. Relevant Radio.